the sunshine on the water so fine see the waves fall don't you know the wind's offshore don't you think it's time to raise a toast to the crafty beers of the sunshine coast yeah crafty beers hello irish red relishers unfiltered adulterers and stout swallowers my name's paul taylor and welcome to in pursuit of hoppiness the podcast about craft beer made on the sunshine coast This episode, I have a, a thoughtful yarn with the pub lifer. Steve Conway started pouring beer in Sydney maybe more than 30 years ago, and he, he's never stopped. He moved to management a couple of decades ago. Then he bit the bullet and bought his own place. That was about 15 years ago. That place was, and still is, the beautiful Kenilworth Hotel. More recently, Steve started brewing, and after a couple of tins during this chat, I can vouch for him. Now, I'm going out on a limb, I'm making an assumption here, but based on the evidence I've seen during recordings of these podcasts, more often than not, the beer a brewer brews has the characteristics of the brewer themselves. Steve is a case in point. He's subtle, he's a straight shooter, his words leave him nowhere to hide. No BS is probably what I'm trying to say. Well, guess what? That is exactly what his beers are like. I really like this bloke's beers. I like this bloke. Here is me and Steve Conway in pursuit of hoppiness. And by the way, after hearing about Steve and his wife and his kids and the Kenilworth Hotel, he may just have found it. Ooh, the sunshine on the water so fine. See the waves fall, sky is blue and the wind's offshore. Now's the time to raise a toast to the crafty beers of the Sunshine Coast. Yeah, crafty beers. <sighs> what I learnt about researching you, which is very little, by the way, I don't want to spoil the magic. That's what I tell them. All. Oh, look, I don't want to spoil the magic. I don't. I don't want to research. <laughs> is that your pub is beautiful? Art Deco. Art Deco. Yeah. The Kenilworth Hotel. Yeah. Nineteen thirty-nine. All right. Oh. Yeah. Nineteen thirty-nine. Tell me a bit about it. Okay, well, it was uh, built in 1939. The town was very young back in those days. Needed a pub, obviously. And, uh, yeah, a fellow by the name of Joseph Lane built it in that Art Deco style, and it pretty much remains the same today. A few little bits and pieces here and there have been added on over the years, mainly for increase in trade, you know, front deck, back deck, that kind of a thing, an extra bar, those sort of things. But, yeah, pretty much the same as what it was back then. Where you've been there for a dozen years, 15 years? Yeah, nearly 15 years, yeah. What was it like when you got it? Um, it was a much different town back then, um, probably a little bit more local orientated with a small amount of tourism. Things changed a lot when the GFC hit and uh, people had to go looking for jobs. Uh, the jobs dried up. Everything that was a factory or a, a workplace uh, outside of the main street did shut down. We had those two wineries, they shut down. There was you know, mushroom farms and things like that where people worked. So they all shut down and then people moved on. So for quite a few years there, it was uh, pretty tough. You know, there, there was a definitely a downturn in trade and uh, things were, it was hard work. You know, so, but then, you know, over the years, things have changed and it is what it is today. If uh, if I was to line up 10 people on the street and say to them the word Kenilworth, nine out of 10 would probably say cheese, wouldn't they? Cheese, donuts and the brewery. Uh, yeah, but definitely, definitely cheese. Kenilworth is known for its cheese. The old craft factory that's now privately owned we, it also has its own milk now. It's a, a milk factory as well. So that has really... 
uh, changed the demographic of, of the town as well over the last sort of few years, probably about five years. That's a real Sunshine Coast story, isn't it? It was a, a large uh, a factory owned by a conglomerate, multinationals, yeah. and then the locals bought it back. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Brilliant. Locals bought it back, um, and over the years they sold their shares, and the last one, uh, the last remaining shareholder sold out, uh, look, I'm probably wrong, but I'd say you know, five, six years ago to the Cochrane family, and they've really changed what it was to what it is now. You know, they've really spent a lot of money on it, um, putting a milk plant in and, you know, now having Kenilworth milk as well and really, really changed it. So, it's, it, yeah, it, it's definitely a tourist destination. So beautiful Kenilworth in the hinterland of the Sunshine Coast. Uh, it's been a dairy town for a long time. The pub's been there since 1939. What on earth made you decide to put a microbrewery in a pub that's already running and successful? Yeah, well, that uh, started with, I suppose, my um, growing passion for beer. Now, I've been in this game for a lot of years, nearly 35, 40 years. You look so young. <laughs> Don't feel it. But um, so, you know, beer was beer, and beer has always been, I think, in Australia – it's it's been good, you know. We've had we've been fortunate enough to have some good beers over the time. It's all lager, so when craft beer started to come into the market, it really uh, got my interest. Uh, a lot of the craft beer manufacturers, you know, in the early days were being swallowed up by the bigger breweries, and people like Carlton United and Lion Nathan, and uh, they didn't treat them very well. You know, they they didn't treat the beer very well, and you know, some of those great beers that we had in the early days of craft beer were soon gone because they weren't they weren't handled well by the bigger guys and that's when I just thought you know I I think that I might have a bit of a crack at this and see how I go and uh, some of the beers were just gone that I like to drink so I just want to make some for myself and 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 have a go at making craft So what beer. were they your Mundy No I wasn't that familiar with your Mundy I was more uh, one of the ones that I really supported in my pub was Matilda Bay Oh yeah um the the Yak Ranger beers and 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 yeah there was one in particular uh, Matilda Bay Ruby Tuesday and Amber Ale L- loved it um, so that was one of the first beers that I, I uh, produced, an amber ale, and I've still got it on tap today. It's pretty popular. But just really really for my own my own needs, really, I just really wanted to drink those kind of beers. And when, when they were disappearing from the market because they weren't being treated well, I thought I'm going to have a go at it myself. So when did you start? I probably started doing that around 2015, 2016. Probably more 2015. By 2016, I was starting to make a fair bit. I had a little, a very small homebrew style set up out the back of the pub and I was making out there and I was making too much for me to drink. So <laughs> I decided I'd uh, put some on tap and see how they went, see whether the customers liked it or hated it. And they loved it and they started to sell much faster than I could produce them. So then I just thought I'd better spend a bit of money and upsize a little bit. You know, we didn't go too big and, and, and took it from there. And since then, it's just grown and grown. And now we're, you know, we're at a, at a stage where we need to upgrade again. So what are you at now and where are you going to what in the next immediate future? Well, at the moment, we, we're we very small in the scheme of um, breweries uh, on the Sunshine Coast and probably all over the country. But we produce around, you know, I could probably produce about 18,000, 20,000 litres a year. We're hoping to get up to around 100 to 120,000 litres a year. It's a big jump, though. It is a big jump, yeah, but it's a necessary jump. I've got supply demands that I can't meet. I've got a lot of other venues that are saying, look, we really want to you know, get your beer in our bottle shops or kegs in, you know, in, in the bar, and I just don't supply them because I know I'd, I wouldn't be able to keep up with supply, and I don't want to have those issues. I'd rather just say, look, early next year we're going to upgrade, then we'll be able to supply and everything will be great. So tell me what 20,000 litres uh, looks like to me so that I can understand how much you're producing. Okay, 
20,000 litres is a reasonable size. Is it kegs? Is Swimming it? pool. Right, okay. It's the Sydney Harbour <laughs> so, Bridge. It's the Sydney Harbour. Think, think of an average backyard swimming pool. Right. If you're swimming around that, that's about 20,000 litres. A reasonable size swimming pool okay. is about 20,000 litres. And so litres. per month, yeah. what would you be? You'd be doing kegs, I imagine. Yeah, we do, oh, we do kegs and we do cans. I have yeah. got cans in our bottle shop and I've also got them down at the Imperial Hotel at Yamundi in their bottle shop. Yeah. But we're just sort of swinging from, you know, we'll do a month or two of kegging and then we'll we'll stop, do a month of canning. It takes about a month by the time I, you know, in between brews. But we do things, we let beer do what it needs to do and let it take its time. We don't, you know, because we're small, we don't pasteurise, we don't, we don't preserve. So I just let things happen slowly. Some of the beers will take a month, like a Pilsner will take a month to, uh, I give it time to do what it needs to do to, to be what it is. So, yeah, we're generally producing at this stage about around the 1,200 litres a month. So if I was uh, a tourist, say, from Sydney, Melbourne, I've come up to the sunny coast. I'm a driver from Brisbane even, and I pop through Kenilworth because I know about the cheeses and I get some cheese. Am I able to get a locally brewed beer to take away with me from your pub? Yeah, yeah absolutely. We can. We, we do can three of our beers. We have six beers that are always the same beers on tap and then there's some other taps we use for small batches and experimenting and seasonal type of beers. So at the moment, because of our capacity, we always have three beers that we can. We've got a Pilsner, we've got a Hazy Pacific and an American Pale Ale. They're always available in the bottle shop. If you do come into the bar, um, then we do have a, a smaller canning machine where we can pour it into a can. For so, you? Yeah. and, and, and Bespoke? So, yeah, on the wow. spot. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I, is that normal? Yeah, most people... Well, most smaller guys would have had one at some stage. Right. You know? um, yeah. That's uh, pretty cool. Yeah, they are pretty cool. And and, and because people think it's great. You know, yeah. They'll just, they just, you know, how does it work? And, you know, uh, so we can do that. So we do have the other ones uh, if people come in. This is just a sticker with we write on the label what, yep. you know, what it is. and Handmade. It's crafted. It's, ca- it's craft beer, handmade, hand canned. It just doesn't get any better than that, does it? That is really incredible. What yeah. what sort of can have you got? Just three seventy five mil can. Yeah, yeah. So, and the normal ring pull. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. People love it because they you know can't believe that we've just canned a beer and they're walking out the door with it. And not that I would allow it to sit in my fridge for a yeah. week because yeah. it just wouldn't. Yeah, uh, can it sit in your fridge for a week? Yeah, yeah. The ones that we can on site individually, yep. I have tested them up to a month. I've let them sit for a month. They're not at their best after a month, mm-hmm. but certainly a week or two in a fridge, yeah, absolutely. The ones that we do when we get the canning uh, the canning guys in, I think we put about you know, six to eight months, day right. on those. Everything's kept cold. It's stored cold, you know, so it goes straight out of the fermenter into a cool room, and that's where it's stored. So I can, I can taste one. Yeah. I think I've got a couple here. Well, that all well, I, I couldn't have been any more obvious. Let's go. What do you got? Okay. Crafty beers. Steve from the Kenilworth Hotel. Been uh, at the pub for 15 years. You're a, you're a lifelong pub man, aren't you? You've really done nothing else. You're, what, mid-50s and you've been at it for 30 years, so there's not a lot of else left in your life, is there? Are you with your wife up there as well? I know that for a fact. Yeah. Look at that. What have you got here? That sounds good. Try I'm, that. Yeah, well, I'm going to decanter. Yeah, yeah, do that. Because it yeah. uh, 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 just sounds like a good word. Yeah. That way there'll be a little bit left for me. So okay. that, that, that's our Pilsner. Look at that. Cheers to you, Steve. Thanks for bringing this in. Excuse Absolute me. beauty. You just get rid of your water there and uh, fill it up with the good stuff. And I'm going for it. Cheers. Good head. What a head. Mm. Oh, boy. That is, um, that's a Pilsner. Mm. 
tastes like it, doesn't it? It, it certainly does, yeah. We, we just keep everything traditional. We don't get too fancy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just try and keep my beers as basic as they are, as, as they, you know, n- not all of them are. A standard drinks, but um, yeah, anything like that, a Pilsner, I just believe, keep it as a Pilsner. If you're doing a lager, keep it as a lager. American Smel- Pale Ale, keep it as American Pale Ale. Smells good too. Yeah. yeah. Smells fresh. Mm. It smells like, you know, cut cut herbs. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, w- describe it. You, so we've been getting a lot of beers in here that are hop forward. Yeah. I, I don't think this is hop forward. Oh, in- no, not at all. No. Not at all. This is pretty clean. This is just a traditional Pilsner. Pilsner, yeah. Pilsner malt. Mm, um, mm. German hops. Yep. You know, not much else in it. German yeast. It's it's pretty pretty simple mm-hmm. um, and, and pretty clean. Like I said, I give this a time. You know, I, I cold crash this for two weeks so that it's and, and right down to minus one so that uh, everything it, everything just falls and settles. You know, there's no filtering. And, you know, for an unfiltered beer, it's pretty. Gosh. It's pretty clean, you know. So it's not, you're, you're being very um, modest. Yeah. It's a very sharp, clean looking yeah. liquid. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And there's no, no filtering on that. So it's, you know. So the colder you do it, mm-hmm. the more the sediment, et cetera, drops. To the bottom. Yeah, to a degree, yeah. Once you get down to a certain temperature, if you're down around two degrees to minus one, really probably doesn't make a lot of difference. I could be wrong. I'm yep. not, not an expert on that. But minus one is more for, for canning and kegging. It's a good temperature, to, especially when you're canning. You need it down to minus one and, uh, and and kegging as well. I can I can pull it straight out of the fermenter into a keg and wheel it up to the bar and put it straight on tap. <laughs> so it's carbonated, it's cold, it's clear, and it's ready to go, you know, so... You're living my dream. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. I I, I do love it. Um, it certainly changed my outlook on, uh, on on being in pubs. Now that you know we've got the the ability to be able to you know do this sort of thing as well, it's you know really changed. Was there a big step between being a publican and being a brewer? Mm, not really, because I'm still both. But um, yeah, I suppose I suppose it it just opened up. I suppose it opened my mind more than anything and gave me uh, an interest that I hadn't had in your daily work life, you know, and not just an interest, it's a passion, you know. I, I love it. I, I love a day. It's hard work, a long day, but at the end of the day, you know, you, you've you've brewed a batch of beer, you clean up, everything's clean and sparkling and you know, stainless and everything, and I'll just wander up to the bar, grab a beer, come back down, oh, man, and just sit there and look at it and think, how good's this, you know. <laughs> nice and quiet, bit of solitude. It's just one of the, I'm sure a lot of people do it. They're in the, in the, in the game, you know, like, especially when there's no one around you to sit there and think, man, I, all your fermenters are full of beer and you think, this is great. I'm drinking beer that I made, you know. It does sound beautiful. Mm. One of the common threads through this podcast series, not exclusively, but definitely has been that it is a solitary job being a brewer. Yeah. Even with the larger guys... They're basically on their own most yeah. of the time. Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't know about the, the bigger guys and you know, how they run their operations, but I find for me it has to be, you know, on a brew day I'm not the the publican, I'm the brewer. Don't talk to me, don't come down there. You know, I, I really – you really need to focus. There's a lot going on and every – you know, people say, what's the most critical point of brewing? Every point. Every uh-huh. point of the process is critical. You make a mistake somewhere in, the, in, in that, that time – you mightn't destroy the beer, but if you want consistency, then you need to make sure that every point is is the same every time you do it. Because you know when a customer walks in, and I, I I always try and maintain that you know if you've come to Kenilworth and you had a pilsner and you come back three months later, you're still going to have a pilsner. It's still going to taste the same. I think that's so important in uh, in beer production. So yeah, when I'm down there, 
Don't talk to me. <laughs> Thanks for allowing us to talk to you yeah. today, Steve. I appreciate it greatly. And bringing in beer as well. Yeah. Is there a buck in craft beer? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Even with the um, the added labour cost, you know, but still compared to buying a keg of beer off the big guys, it's much more uh, much more lucrative to be making it yourself. Right. Especially for small guys too with the excise break that we got a year or two ago. So I think it was late last year. Yeah. I can't remember exactly. That certainly for the small guys, give them a boost. Uh, for people like me, it meant that, you know, I had a bit of extra money that I could actually spend on equipment, you know, equipment that I didn't have and just get better at what we do. Yeah. Is it a family operation where you are? Yeah, pretty much. I've got, we've got three kids. Our oldest boy doesn't work with us. He did through his uh, late teenage years. Our daughter, the same. Uh, she's been working with us through her later teenage years. She's nearly 21 now, so she's we're trying to see what else she's going to do with her life. <laughs> Try to push her off. Yep. And a young bloke, he is uh, 16 and he works a couple of days a week there for, for some money as well. So, yeah, they, they've all they've all worked there. You know, I don't encourage it too mm-hmm. much because mm-hmm. I know what sort of lifestyle it, it is. It's a pretty demanding uh, job, but they've all they've all had a go at it. I think it's good, good for character building, absolutely good for character building. And your wife's involved? Yeah, yeah. She's um, she's full-time as well. Uh, she she does all the, all the tough stuff. She handles all the... The finances and the the bookkeeping, and she really, yeah, she's got her hands full with that. It's a big job. It's pretty demanding too. And um, because I have taken a little bit of a back step to, to brewing, she's really becoming the face of the business now. So she's the one that everyone goes to for problems because, once again, don't talk to me. I'm brewing. <laughs> so... So yeah, uh, yeah, and she's great. She, she's she, we've worked together for a lot of years in pubs, and she she really knows the industry and what she's doing. Could you be brave enough to not serve the large breweries beers and just serve your own? Is that a that's my plan? Right. Yeah, my plan is to get them all off tap. We've got twelve taps. I'm up to seven. Um, I just cannot. I can't brew anymore with the with the the size of the the brew house that I've got. So when we upgrade, my plan is to slowly just eliminate them all. If people walk in and want a Forex Gold or Great Northern, yep, sure, we've got a stubby. But on tap, it'll be ours. But that's that's a bigger job than what it sounds because one thing you have to be aware of when you're doing things like that is you've got to have a, a reasonable reduction of lagers. And for me personally, I'm finding lagers uh, the more difficult, m- more of a, more of a challenge to is, get right. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, it's... It's a different thing for, for me. I, I find that when you are losing flavour and losing the hops, you know, like this is a lager style, mm-hmm. but when you lose all that, you can't hide behind anything. You know, you're just uh-huh. really left with that that raw ingredient. And, and then because they are lighter in flavour, you know, anything that's not right is really going to stand out. Whereas when you, you know, you, you can kind of a little bit, you can hide behind hops and you, you still got to get them right and they've got to be good. But I'm just finding lagers are a much trickier proposition than what I thought they would be. I've done quite a few, got good feedback from them. I'm probably my biggest critic. Yeah. So it's a work in progress. I've got about three ready to go. I've got a rice lager. Ah. I've got a mid lager and one that I'm playing around with to get more of that great northern slash 4X taste using prior to Ringwood hops. That seems to be the ones they use, so I'm just mucking around with, with that a bit as well. Rice is a more common ingredient than I thought for example Budweiser yeah. is a rice beer there's a yeah. the, the heads of Noosa is a is a rice yeah, beer awesome beer awesome beer that heads of Noosa yeah it's interesting rice because a lot of people think oh rice it's made of rice it's not really it's a very small percentage of rice but it certainly changes the 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 way it 
it tastes, the way it even feels in your mouth. Uh, I like it. I, I think it's a, a good ingredient. I'm only using about 15% rice in my lager and seems to be working. Seems to be working quite well, getting good feedback. So, yeah, because a lot of people think, oh, it's rice, it's gluten-free. It's Mine isn't. I don't know what everyone else is doing, but you need some sort of colour so you just can't use rice. Right. So, yeah, it, it's still got still got grain in it. And my wife is determined it bloats her less, a rice beer. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. I, I, you know, I... I get bloated by beer because I drink so much of it all the time <laughs> anyway. Because you drink so. 10 of them. Yeah, that's that's right. the problem. That's right, yeah. But um, <laughs> that wouldn't surprise me because a lot of people have that gluten thing going on, so yeah. less, a little bit less gluten, I suppose, in the rice lagers. Yeah. yeah, right. Okay, so you're going to expand. Have you had to build on to the, the property or you've got space there as it is? I've got, I have got a bit of spare space. It just means I'll lose um, a couple of little... Things that we have out there for kids, but we'll we'll work on that and try and you know come up with a, another area where we can put a games room. But um, all right, the kids' games room is now going to be a brewery, so we'll have to we'll have to work something out so that we can get some kids' games in there. But yeah, so we do have the space. It's not it's really just a cosmetic fit out. It's not a not a build on at this stage. So what will you be doing in five years' time? That's a good question. Uh, maybe retired uh, <laughs> or semi-retired. I would. You know, we'll, we'll see how much longer I stay in in the pub game. Uh, I've been in it for a long time. I would, I think, with brewing coming along, it's certainly changed my outlook on the next ten to fifteen years. If we moved on from the pub, I'd be happy to either stay on as a brewer or start, you know, go, go and team up with somebody else and start another one, or who knows what what we'll do from there. But I certainly see myself doing the brewing for quite a while yet. What got you to Kenilworth from Sydney? Well, we moved from Sydney, western suburb of Sydney, and mainly because the kids were getting to an age where they were probably a little bit more exposed to some of the bad elements of western Sydney, so we thought we'd get them out of there. We moved to the Gold Coast because we bought a property up there quite a few years before that, and, yeah, didn't think the Gold Coast was much better um, than, than what was going on down west Sydney. So this just happened to come up through a friend of a friend, and we had no into well, living on the beach on the Gold Coast. We had no intentions of moving to the country. So we thought we'd come up and have a look and went, eh, it looks pretty good. It's, you know, it's different. It's smaller. Let's see how it goes for a couple of years and whether we like it. And here we are. Tell me about Kenilworth itself and what makes it so beautiful. I think one of the, the biggest things, and it's not just our pub, but going on what people say about our pub and the town, is that when you come to, to Kenilworth, it's like stepping back in time. But everything with all the facilities that everybody expects wherever they go now we've got everything but we it's it hasn't changed you know so it, it's a early 20th century town you know founded somewhere in the early 1900s and it really hasn't changed you know that much when you drive up and down the street nothing much has really changed might be a few new signs maybe some new things but the art deco style is now um, something that has to stay you know whether you renovate from behind your front facade it's got to look Art Deco at the front. And and those sort of things, you know, when I walk into a pub or a shop, anywhere else, everything's modern, you know, especially pubs and, you know, they will look like clubs now. And whereas we're not, we're wooden floors, we're wooden, you know, it's an old wooden pub and it's, you know, still got the same windows that were the, in there in 1939, you know. You know, all those sort of things that have been taken away, I think, out of most places that are in big cities have either been knocked down and rebuilt or uh, redeveloped. It just hasn't happened. Nothing's been redeveloped in Kenilworth, and it'll it'll stay that way now. Beautiful part of the Sunshine Coast, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Here's, all, all, all through there. Here's cheers to Kenilworth and your Pilsoners.
Thanks for listening to In Pursuit of Hoppiness, made possible by Visit Sunshine Coast. If you want to learn more about the great craft breweries in our region, crack the top of the Visit Sunshine Coast website and look for Australia's Craft Beer Capital. And if you want to listen to more episodes, you can get them there too.